0: I shared this at the first service, so I will share it as well, which I wasn't planning on. But isn't it so good that we can gather and sing together? This Thursday, as I was doing some sermon preparation in the evening, I was in my office and I heard beautiful music coming from Sanctuary. So I decided to do a sermon prep right here while the worship team was rehearsing, sitting here. Man, I was moved to tears a couple times. Oh, it's so beautiful that we can gather and sing praises to holy your, God's holy name. I hope your heart has been stirred up for that. And I know we are about to open up God's word. I know that it is my duty, but also it is my delight that we can study and open up God's word together. Today's message, we will conclude our series on the book of Revelation, the last two chapters of the Bible. I hope this series has been helpful to you. Uh, This series has been our attempt to lead you. It's really easy to put all our focus and our eyes on the surroundings. And sometimes that informs us how to act. But more than that, as Christians, we wanted you to take your eyes off of this world. And take your eyes on what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do when he comes back. That should inform us in a way that we think, in a way that we talk, in a way that we conduct every single aspect of our lives. So I pray that we will continually do that as we put our eyes on Jesus. So today's section is the very last chapter of the Bible and the very last words of Jesus revealed in the scripture through the vision of John. Wouldn't you pay attention if your beloved one's last words are about to be spoken? you would pay attention because those words are important. So I hope you treasure these words of the Lord in your heart. Without further ado, please open up your word to Revelation 22, 12 to 21. Revelation 12 to, Revelation 22, very last chapter. If you have a hard time finding it, just flip it all the way back, then you'll get there. It's the very last chapter, 12 to 21, 22, 12 to 21. You will see in this chapter, Jesus' somber warning and also invitation. Let me read it for us. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. This is the reading of God's word. Three things that we learn and observe from this text. First, here Jesus gives us warning. So first, examine yourself. As believers, we ought to examine ourselves. And second, there is also invitation. Come to Jesus. Examine yourself. Come to Jesus. And lastly, the cries of our hearts should be, Come, Lord Jesus. Examine yourself. Come to Jesus. Come, come, Lord Jesus. So first, examine yourself. Look verse 12. How does John begin this section? This is the very words of Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I will not go into much detail since Pastor Shep elaborated on this reward last week. But there are two different camps of understanding this passage particularly. Some believe that yes, God will reward all of them. Yet there is special treatment, so special reward for those who are especially faithful. And other people believe that no, gospel is all about for entrance what Jesus Christ has done. So we all be equally enjoying one another at worshiping God. While there may be different aspects about exactly what the reward means, the point of this passage is what everyone agrees on. Look how the word reward is sandwiched by the person, and that person's name is Jesus. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I'll give to each person. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is sandwiching whatever the reward it is to himself. He is saying, it is about me and what I have done. And I am coming, soon. I am the beginning. I am the end. I should be your primary desire and affection that you want the most in heaven and also in earth. What is the ultimate reward that you are looking for? Is that a stretch of gold? As beautiful as that is, that our primary reward and ultimate allegiance should be what Christ has done. And that should be our ultimate affection. I have a dear friend um, whom I met in Dallas when I lived in Dallas. His name is Paul. He and I still keep in touch to these days. I, in fact, talked to him this week. Um, And I remember the very first lunch I had with Paul. Because Paul shared about his father. Um, who passed away years ago. Paul's father was a committed Christian. He loved Jesus. He also served as an elder of the church. But due to cancer, he passed away. And Paul said in his deathbed, his father just was doing this. And Paul was like, what's going on? And then realized that his father wanted to leave his last words. And he couldn't really speak. So Paul quickly grabbed pen and paper and father begins to write down. His last words that he leaves to his children and his wife are this For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul's father clearly knew his primary focus of this life is Christ, and to die was even gain because he knew that he will be in the very presence of God. Last words matter,s and that showed his ultimate commitment to Christ. And here Jesus' last words to us, look, I am coming soon. I am the alpha. I am the omega, first and the last. I am the everything. Where is your primary allegiance? Check your heart, church. Examine yourself. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, And may go through the gates into the city. Here's another beatitude. Blessed are those who wash their robes. This phrase actually taken from the expression used in the earlier chapters. Revelation 7.14 says this. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, blessed, the true flourishing, the true life is for those whose life has been washed by the blood of the lamb who knows what Jesus Christ has done for them to those we have the right to the tree of life and we may go through the gates into this city the promise of everlasting life is for those who knows that they have been washed by the blood of the lamb we have been washed by the blood of the lamb and we are waiting for the return of the king In between we live. And yes, this promise is for us if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Look verse 15. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Now, when we read verse 15, yes, your gut feeling is right. This is for the non-believers, especially talking about Yet, don't dismiss that too quickly. It's very easy to read verse 15 and say, oh, I'm not the murderer. I haven't killed anybody. I don't practice any sorcery, magic arts. That's not me. Well, uh, think about to whom is Jesus writing this to. Read verse 16. What does it say? I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. The book of Revelation is not written to the seven lottery clubs. It is not written to seven political parties. It is written to the seven churches who gather in the name of Jesus. Yet Jesus saying, even among you, there are those who practice magic arts, falsehood, and etc. What is Jesus talking about? These are simply results of being the counterfeit believers. Counterfeits are the fake version. You look like it, talk like it. The word used here as dogs. As much as I love dogs, in the New Testament, dogs are not the most positive word. Especially when you read the Pauline epistles, the letter by Paul, dogs are referring to those Judaizing false teachers. Those people talk to talk, great, look very godly, but in the end lead people astray from the truth. It is so easy to see ourselves and say, oh, not me, I'm great, but it says everyone who loves and practices falsehood, Everyone is those. We, our primary love and allegiance and commitment should be Jesus Christ. But it shows dual allegiance. They are love on the other side of falsehood. They love the way of the world. You cannot have a double dip. There's no two masters that you can serve. How are we doing? These are written to the churches. And as a symptom, result of being counterfeit believers, there are all kinds of evil. These are somber warning to all churches, even among us. To check yourself, examine yourself. One of the great ways to examine yourself is see how you bear fruits. Fruit of the spirit. Are you bearing counterfeit fruits or are you truly bearing the fruit of the spirit? Let me give you a couple examples here. One of the fruit of the spirit, self-control. It's always very helpful to think about not only the opposite but the counterfeits. Self-control, there's self-control one of the fruit of the spirit. What would be the opposite of self-control? Probably licentiousness. Doing whatever you want to do with your life, not according to the word of God. Self-control is living by the word of God as it is written. But what would be counterfeit of that? It looked like self-control, but it really is not. Probably willpower. Oh, I'm just going to do it according to my strength and power. Another one, peace. What would be the opposite of peace? Anxiety. What would be counterfeit of peace? It looked like peace, but really it's not just a fake version. Probably indifference and apathy. You just don't care. You look like you're having a peaceful heart. No, you just don't care a thing about life. Those are counterfeits. So those counterfeits oftentimes are very dangerous because you look like you're a very peaceful. Oh, I have peace of the Lord. No, you just don't care about anything. See, but what does Paul say when he talks about in Galatians? Does Paul say the fruit of the spirits are Da 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 love peace, joy, and all that. No. The fruit of the spirit is. In other words, all those grow together. If one is growing and another is not growing, that mo- might well be counterfeit. For example, self-control and joy. You think you're growing in self-control, but there's no joy of the Lord within you. That self-control may well be just your willpower is up. There's joy as you follow the word of God, true joy. But you are in your like deep down the pit and you think you're having great self-control. No, you're just trying to do everything on your willpower. Counterfeits are very dangerous because sometimes it is effect to deceive ourselves. Look at me, I am so godly, all the things I am doing. The result of being the counterfeits are those are outside, are the dogs, practice falsehood. Where is your true allegiance church today? Examine yourself, examine your heart before the Lord, before the Lord. Second, come to Jesus. After Jesus gives this somber warning, here is the invitation. Read verse 16, second half. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Jesus once again revealed his messianic identity. I am the promised deliverer who will rescue you from your peril. I am the promised Messiah. I am the line of David that came to rescue and deliver you from your despair and darkness. And he goes on to say, "I am the bright morning star." Most likely, this is referring to Venus, that shines brightly before the dawn. What does? This is talking about Jesus, bright morning star. His name is Jesus. What does bright morning star do? When there's a bright morning star, it casts away darkness. You, Some of you today may be going through a deep dark night of your soul. And you're wondering, is hope ever going to be there for me? Am I ever going to make it? Hang tight. You see the bright morning star. The morning is coming again. And each morning, his mercies are new. There's hope for all of us. Have you been smitten by the beauty of this bright morning star? What Jesus has done for you, church. See, it's so easy to just fix our eyes on our surrounding circumstances. Hatred, division, darkness that we see. No, as much as you look surrounding, turn your eyes upon Jesus, our bright morning star. And gaze upon his beauty until it begins to melt your heart. The hope will slowly return in your heart. In the book, The Lord of the Rings... Uh, Sam Gamgee and Frodo are on their journey to destroy this ring. At one point, this was just way too much. So Sam Gamgee thought, I'm just going to give up. I got nothing left. But look how Sam Gamgee sees the star and how hope returns to him. This is the gospel according to the Lord of the Ring right here. (laughs) (laughs) This is what Sam Gamgee says. There peeping among the cloud wreck above a dark tower high up in the mountains. Sam saw a white star twinkling for a while. The beauty of the star smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land. And hope returned to him. For like a shaft clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. His song in the tower had been defiance rather than hope. For then he was thinking of himself. Now for a moment his own fate and even his masters ceased to trouble him. He crawled back into the brambles and laid himself by Frodo's side. And putting away all fear, he cast himself into a deep untroubled sleep. Has the beauty of the star smitten your heart? Fix your eyes on Jesus until that slowly melts your heart. We need to continue to look at them. More than you take a look at your sins. More than you look at the darkness of the world. See that there is a bright morning star that casts away darkness. And his name is Jesus. (sighs) What does verse 17 say? The spirit and the bride say come. That first come is addressed to Jesus. Come, Jesus. And look, another come here. And let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. These are addressed to all sinners. Come to Jesus. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. After Jesus is giving somber warning and talking about who he is, the promised Messiah, here's John's invitation to all. Come to Jesus. Church, just like John has written this letter to seven churches, and John does not assume that all are believers, they are counterfeits. I don't assume that all of us are believers either. May I tell you, underneath of all your desire of happiness, joy, underneath of your desire for rest, underneath your desire for true flourishing, you really are looking for Jesus. Come to Jesus. One who's thirsty, there's water of life available for you. Jesus is pursuing after you, and the church. When was the last time? Here, John does not forget in his last letter. He does not forget to invite others come to Jesus. There's hope of life. When was the last time that you intentionally shared this beauty of the bright morning star to the others? I remember um, I was an RA in college, and. My college also had a high school. So sometimes when there's international school in a high school, they to put the international high, school, international high schoolers in my room so that I can kind of help them in their journey. And because, in case you couldn't guess, in, because I'm from Korea, they put Korean international school, 16-year-old boy in my room. His name was Hyunjin. He was a very endearing kid. I mean, he, he was charming. He was funny. He was witty. He was on his way to Ivy League college, very smart. His parents are wealthy to send him all their pay their tuition and all. And everyone loved him. And he was almost, he knew that he's great. He knew he was awesome. He would walk like this literally, like this every day. He was so overly confident of himself. And it's said, Jin, look at me. I'm so great. And I'm like, well, at least you're a charming, Jin. I get it. But he did not know Jesus. And what do you do when you're stuck with me for a year I kid not. I think I shared gospel with him at least 40 times. I I didn't count, but every night we would talk about. It. I mean, Hyunjin, you're a great kid, and yet, do you know that all the things that you're pursuing after it will fail you, and that will not save you? Didn't care. Main argument that he was rejecting Jesus is like, Jin, but look at me. I got all the money from my parents. I'm smart. Everyone loves me. I'm popular. I'm so good looking. Well, I don't know about that, but he claimed so. I am great. I have endearing personality. I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. He just never budged it. Never. I sure, I mean, because I really liked my friend, um, but he never budged it. One day, he did something they should not have done, or perhaps the school was a bit harsh. In the end, he was getting expelled from school. Now, that's one thing in this Western culture to get expelled from school, it's still not the most honorable thing. But from the Western culture point of view, honor and shame culture, this was like death sentence to him. He was devastated. He, was about, he has to go back to Korea. He's going to shame his family. Ivy League dreams all shattered now. All the things that he had to cling on to completely shattered. He did not even come back to the room that night. I was getting worried about him. And actually he called me. So I'm on the phone. He's sobbing, crying, and yelling. I honestly did not know what to do. I mean, I'm like, whoa, who is this kid? And then he was so extreme, so depressed. He even used the word, I- I'm going to kill myself. I-, I can't do this. I lost everything of my life. I didn't know what to do. But I knew enough that I wanted to keep him on the phone so that he doesn't make any extreme foolish choice. So I'm just like trying to stir through, walk him through anything. It wasn't me. I didn't say anything. I'm only saying this to tell you this. But it was him all of a sudden. He's like crying, yelling, and he just says... Jen, can you tell me one more time about Jesus? I'm desperate. I need something to cling on to. I told him, Hyunjin, you think you lost everything. But no. Jesus really lost everything for you. So that when you feel like you have lost everything, there is still hope. All the things that you think you just have lost, no, you still have life to live. But Jesus literally died so that when you feel like you have lost everything... There is still hope. Jesus bled and pursued you to death. He trusted Christ over the phone. And he's like, Jen, and I can see demeanors begin to change a little bit. And he's like, Jen, now that I trusted the Lord, can I pray for you? I'm like, oh, great, go ahead, 30 seconds, Christian. Why not? (laughs) And then he begins to pray. And I, this was his prayer. I wrote it down in my journal, because I remember this was his first words. I had to open the prayer. This is what it said: "God, I thank you that you have turned my worst day to best day because now I know you." By that point, I'm sobbing on the phone myself, too. <laughs> I don't know where Hyunjin is today, but God has turned his worst day to best day. Hyunjin came to drink this water of life that is available to him. Church, come. Come to Jesus. Drink this water of life. Whatever you're looking for. Those of you who are still seeking Jesus. Maybe you're heavily wrestling with your guilt and shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He bore all your guilt Come to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and want to know more about it, talk to anybody next to you. They are walk it through. Talk to one of the pastors. Jesus' arms are wide open to receive you. Come and drink this free gift of the water of life. And church, share this beauty of morning star to others. That's what we ought to do. And lastly, come, Lord Jesus. Here John walks through how we ought to live our lives according to the word of God. Live it, don't add anything to it causing legalism or don't take anything away from it, using it as whatever you want to do. And then this is what John says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. That's the word of Jesus. And people of God say, amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. So church, today's Jesus invitation and warning is simple. Examine yourself. Where is your heart? Are we living just counterfeit, fake version of life? Or are we truly bearing the fruit of the spirit? Are we truly looking forward to Jesus ultimately the most in life and in death for to us to live is Christ and to die is gain? And then come to Jesus, all who are heavy, weary, and burdened. There is a rest in Jesus' name. So lastly, as you wrap up our series, this is what I want to do. When people of God say amen, it means yes, I believe. Yes, we believe. So I'll read the first part of verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. And you will respond in one voice by saying, amen, come Lord Jesus. And then I'll pronounce the benediction of verse 21 before we partake in communion. But before we do that, could you just raise your arms like this? If there's no mystical elements by raising your arm like this, I'm just asking you, not only through your lips, but may your body invite Jesus as well. And may this not just be your verbal or body. But may, when you say amen, I believe, amen, come Lord Jesus. May that be the confession of your heart. That should be what you long for the most. You ready, church? he who testifies to these things says yes i am coming soon amen come lord jesus the grace of the lord jesus be with god's people and all god's people say amen let's pray together oh god we long for your presence jesus you indeed bled and died for our sins God why in the world then are we trying to pursue the pleasures of this world more than pursuing you why are we keep building our own ambitions and sand castle more than building the repetition of your name oh God allow us to examine ourselves are we truly bearing those fruits and oh God we see this clear invitation of coming to Jesus God I thank you that there's free invitation It does not require any specialty. We can come just as we are. So God, I lift up especially those who are wrestling about the truth of the gospel. They are trying to discern where to put the meaning of life. God, would you let them know that there is true meaning, purpose in you? Would you let them know that Jesus is pursuing after them? That really, really the greatest love story is true. That Jesus pursued them, loved them to death. And would you enable us, oh God, to share this beauty of gospel to others. The bright morning star shines brightly. He is the hope of the world. We have this incredible truth. God, we don't deserve it. We are no better. Thank you for opening our eyes to see that it's beautiful. Thank you for opening our eyes to see that what Jesus Christ has done is what exactly our heart has been longing for. So God, we cry with one voice. Amen. Come soon, dear Lord Jesus. In his name we pray.